want to say. Um, yeah, that's kind of what drove me to come here. That's really well, cool. Hello and um, welcome that, to and the it common is, it takes a lot of bravery here on MutinyRadio.fm. Global like, Bell. I'm here with I'm Diamond Date. This, the last to make song we just heard was actually like, from it's, it's really um, takes a, a lot. duo and, group um, called um, Emma's You also write and contribute to this kind of online magazine group, which we'll talk about a little more later, called The Syndrome. And so I read your recent article about, you know, like basically having to be really sneaky with your boyfriends, even in, even in college, right? Yeah, even in college. <laughs> so, so has the, the being uh, deceptive, uh, how has that helped in your comedy? <laughs> so um, just to kind of set a content. Radio Comedy Festival, over 40 comics, 25 shows, five days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, five days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians, bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Is this about that VR house you keep bugging me for? What if it is? I told you, I can't afford the Bitcoin. Goodbye, Jack. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento
Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Venice. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminal.
Yeah, you're fearless. I know it. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. That was some music from Pamela Parker. You can check out what she's up to at PamelaParkerRocks.com. But we're here today. Today is Friday, March 1st. It's actually the first day of Women's Herstory Month. So uh, what better way to kick off than have uh, have someone, uh, the women's voice, uh, tell her stories um, so my, my guest today is Bernice Yee. Am I saying that right? Bernice? Yay? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Bernice is in town. She is one of the visiting comedians, um, who applied to be part of the mutiny radio comedy festival, which is starting today. So we are kicking it off on, on women's magazine really, because women should always come first. Woo. I agree. <laughs> so Bernice. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so you're visiting from Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. The Seattle area? Is that mm-hmm. where you... Yes. Yes. I live in Seattle now. Uh, I have been living there for 12 years. Yeah. But you're originally from China. I am. So I am made in China. <laughs> made in China. <laughs> so you kind of talk about how you, you know, kind of escaped and now you're... Uh, what? I want to hear a little bit of your story of, uh, you know, how how'd you, how'd you decide I need to, I need to get out of China and, and go to the... The United States. Uh huh. Because, um, so I say escape is not like I was a criminal. So. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, quotes, yeah, quote unquote escape. It's more of a joke, right? Yeah. yeah. But I was definitely a rebel. Um, I think um, living in China, like I got into not trouble but in a way that just like everybody is in your face trying to tell you what to what to do um and uh i think once i got exposure um to america i have always seen oh i want to be there i want to go there so a lot of time people ask me why do you come here oh my god you came here by yourself your parents your family are all in america um at the time when I came here, I I just like this is a dream. I did not miss my family. Um, good, my family didn't understand English, so they were never know this. I said that, <laughs> but I think it's in a way that I just want to be at a place to be who I am, to say what I want to say. Um, yeah, that's kind of what drove me to come here. That's really cool. Um, that and it is. It takes a lot of bravery to just say see ya. Like, I'm going to go try this and try to make a new life for myself. Like it's, it's really takes a lot. And, um, you're, you, you also write and contribute to this, uh, kind of online magazine group, which we'll talk about a little more later called mm-hmm. the syndrome. And so I read your recent article about, you know, like basically having to be really sneaky with your boyfriends, even in, even in college, right? Yeah. Even in college. <laughs> so, so has the uh, being uh, deceptive? Uh, how has that helped in your comedy? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to kind of set a context of the deceptive or what s- sneaky means. So, even in college, like it's okay that you have a boyfriend, but you don't really let people see any public display affection, right? So like kissing, uh-uh, no, you don't. Like, And then kind of is an unspoken rule that you don't have sex. For some reason, I don't know, nobody says you cannot, but then like if you do, it's a big gossip. Uh, like topic and so um and we don't have any privacy so in the dorm room okay so in our studio right now it's bigger than a dorm room where six of us lived oh my gosh <laughs> we live in bunk beds and we're like a whole bunch of adults right um and then like so that's the small space and if and then they lock the dorm room 
every night at 9 p.m. and they shut the lights off. That's like prison. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're shut in and you're shut out. Yeah. Right. And so, it was the most prestigious like university in in China. It's not like a like kind of like a prison university. It's actually one of the best uh, universities. Um. So at that time, if you don't go back by 9 p.m., where are you? Mm-hmm. And gossip starts and just a lot of social pressure. Um. So the sneaky have to you have to find ways and you have to plan ahead you may have to make a hotel reservation but you cannot make under like if I make a hotel reservation it's too um, suspicious Mm. (laughs) so you have to find an excuse you have to set expectations with your roommates saying oh my parents are in town or like you have to work hard if I kind of oh I have to work at the lab all night I couldn't come back but you must have a deadline that you set let everybody know already you can't just all of a sudden have a deadline oh yeah (laughs) it takes a lot of planning to to plan a lie yeah (laughs) so so is that like comedy it takes Um, (laughs) in a way I think it's more about when I create a situation Mm. um, like maybe there's exaggeration maybe it's fictional but I have to make it believable Mm -hmm. I have to kind of like okay this actually fits into my personality fits into my um, you know like something I would do it's not out of character Oh, interesting. <laughs> subtle and smart. Yeah, but then like, you know, like it's not true. So, um, and you want to make people wonder, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when, how did you decide that you wanted to be a comedian and do stand up like how, and and also like how did you develop your sense of humor like have you always like just had the sense of humor and been funny or what, what how did that kind of develop for you funny that you asked that because um i invited one girlfriend that i have been friends with like 10 years and then like she came to my show and she said oh my god bernice you know five years ago you told me I'm very serious person. I am not funny. <laughs> um, I so in a way, it's like it's not. I never, I I never thought about become a comedian. Yeah. Um, but I watched so much like Netflix. Well, actually, back off a little bit. I started watching Netflix specials when I wash my face at nighttime. Um, but it takes so long to wash my face that I watch so many Netflix comedy specials, and then I realized that's how I think too because I realized. Com- Comedians, they have they have a different perspective. They have a different point of view. And for me, I'm an outsider. You know, whether when I was in China or when I here, I always feel like I have a different perspective because of my experience. So I know in the shower, I'm always thinking about all these funny, wacky thoughts <laughs> from my experience. Um, but I just didn't think about. I can be one because English is not my first language. Um, to even be funny in the second language, I just felt like that's so hard. Um, but not until I saw Ellie Wong's first Baby Cobra special. And all of a sudden, I said, oh my God, the, the thing she thinks is funny, that's things I think about. And then all of a sudden, you do see somebody's more like you. You know, it's not a bunch of, you know, white guys talking about dick jokes. <laughs> right, because there's a lot of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's all of a sudden, I want to be like that. I actually want, I have a voice, I want to be heard. Um, so um, I just, last year, I made a New Year's resolution that, you know what, I'm just do, going to um, do one open mic by the end of the year. 
um, and then I signed up for a comedy class, uh, did a graduation show. I love it and keep on doing open mic and people asked me to be on their shows and it's, wow, people want to hear about my story and my, my jokes and my sense of humor. Yeah. So you've only done comedy, like actively done comedy for about a year now? Yeah. Right on. <laughs> and here you are in San Francisco. You applied to be part of the comedy festival. Pam Benjamin, you know, is like, fuck yeah, let's have Bernice A. She's oh great. <laughs> um, so that that's like another like amazing success story, right? Thank you. Yeah, and I think about it just incredible. I'm so grateful uh, for the opportunity. And also in a way that also I keep telling myself, um, 15 years ago when I came, I, don't, I didn't speak English. I didn't. I didn't know how to order a sandwich from Subway. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing too. Like, so I, I I teach English as a second language. That's that's my day job. You know, <laughs> here on Mutiny Radio, you know, this is this is my 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 fun, my passion. You know, to talk to people and be inspired and and hear people's voices and stories. But you know, so I teach English, so I know how hard it is. To I mean, English itself is a really hard language and mm -hmm. there's so many little things, little nuances and expressions. So how did you learn English? <laughs> um, so I guess there's, um, it's funny because um, when I came, I, we learned little English, um, like in school, in high school. And what they taught us is British English. But of course, it's taught by a Chinese teacher. So basically is. British pronunciation with Chinese accent. <laughs> what does that sound like? Uh, um, looking forward to meet you. I, I cannot really do it quite right, but you know, like... You, you've evolved past that. Yeah. And then there's like, I would say tomato or how do you do um, some basic phrases. Um, and then the funny thing is in the... So, oh, when I first came here, I went to Purdue for um, graduate school to study computer science. Okay. Um, so in the school, there are inter other international students. I remember I went to this like international student like dance party and there's this English guy and you know when I say tomato and it's oh my god where did you come from and <laughs> so I think you know I kind of I instantly clicked and I you know I um so we actually started dating and uh, so I think having somebody who speak English um that clicked with you and then like we speak more English that definitely helped um, but also the funny thing is because I had a roommate she was Chinese we were from the same hometown oh, but wow. because our um you know, like our schedules are different. Um, so she always complained to the other Chinese um, students about I disturb her sleep. <laughs> so m my boyfriend at the time did not like that, right? So one time um, I, we have the English as a second language t training for teaching assistant. So we're teaching assistant. Oh, right. Yeah. So you're, a, you're, in, you're in a graduate pr program. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. So then okay. one of the assignments is like, um, you know, come up with a phase, uh, phrase that sounds Dif like the meaning is different than the um, original how the words read mm -hmm. and then so she asked me and my boyfriend um, they, and then the, the boyfriend gives a um, blowjob 
<laughs> it's so mean but she didn't know I didn't know so I actually didn't know and then so she went to the class and she gave the phrase blowjob and then <laughs> everybody just had the face pump and she was so embarrassed and she was pissed right so that started the war with me and the rest of the Chinese students oh no they disowned me oh no they blamed you <laughs> they blamed me so so I kind of I was being isolated from the rest of the Chinese student mm -hmm. but in a way that kind of pushed me alright I'm going to make friends with international students with my American friends they, they were really really nice to me um, so that's kind of but in the meantime like as I ask questions I'm just like um, you know at this point I came here I'm just going to be shameless and ask questions um, so I asked anything that I don't understand and my friends got a little impatient oh Urban Dictionary but it's incredible. Urban Dictionary is like the, I don't know, that's kind of where I learned most of my English. <laughs> um. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because, you know, like, like students that I have now, they're yeah. like, I really want to improve my English. And like other teachers will say, you know, date somebody, you know, <laughs> like, go meet up with people. I always tell them that they should, um, <laughs> I always tell them a couple things. I'm like, you should go to a place where people are speaking English and just pretend like you're doing something else and just listen to their conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I, I tell them, I was like, go and ask somebody a question that you already know the answer to. Because then if you, you just practice asking the question and the answer is not important. Oh, because then you can hear like somebody tell you like, oh, go down that way and, you know, go straight ahead or go down this street, you know, like a little directions things like everybody has a map now. Everybody's using Google Maps or mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, I'm like, just go ask a question. But you already know the answer. That's so smart. I wish I knew that tip back then <laughs> <laughs> because I would be in conversation with my friend. And um, um, sometimes I just really got lost. And it's a uh, it's hard. I just I want to go home. But I just like, OK, stay with it. And a lot of time I actually really did not know what they were talking about but even picking up something like I it's helpful um, you took a long time <laughs> so uh, so you did you finish Purdue or did you change schools how did you decide to to stay and how did you end up in Seattle mm, um, I was in the PhD program so oh, wow. um, I did not finish that so I was a I am a PhD dropout but I um, I once I remember, so in the middle, um, you can get a master's degree in between. And uh, I was applying for internship for the summer for Microsoft. And at the interview, my interviewer actually said, you know, you should also check that box for full time because it's the interview is actually easier. The reason his rationale was, um, you know, for intern, you only have three months. So we want to make sure the interview you can you can really deliver and then um, for three months period of time. But for time, we look more for potential. Mm. Um, so I checked that box. Um, they flew me to, you know, Seattle. I had they actually even did like an interview boot camp to teach you how to do interview. But the position I applied for was the program management. Um, and then they definitely want your English to be better. Um, so I actually ended up didn't get that job. But from my background, they referred me to a different group, which is Xbox, and they actually flew me back again. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I um and I got that job. So um then I gotta face the decision and it's a full time position, wow. right? So do I just quit at this point and go to Seattle or do I continue to do PhD? Um and then the time I just feel like I I wanna get out of Indiana. Um I I can <laughs> Microsoft seems to be a, a good 
place to start my work. And so I, um, yeah, I quit PhD. I got my master's degree and I moved to Seattle. Wow. So Indiana and Seattle. So those are the two places that you've actually lived in the U.S. Or, yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm, do you prefer Seattle? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've actually never been to Seattle, but I imagine it to be a pretty cool place. I've definitely never been to Indiana. I'm from California. So like when we think about other states, we're like, they're over there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, seriously, even though I like, you know, kind of educated and stuff, but, uh, it's always like what, Indiana. It's a, I, I think I could find it on a map. Maybe. Um, sorry, Indiana, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've been to San Francisco before. This is not your first rodeo in San Francisco. Uh, no, a lot. I've been here a lot. San Francisco is one of my favorite cities. Um, and uh, I love it so much that I almost, almost moved here. But, uh, well, actually, s- just to say how serious I was, I got a job. That's why my cell phone is a 650. San Mateo, Erico. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I actually moved out of my, um, my place. I got all packed up ready i got a job offer they gave me a relocation fee and uh, so i started looking for apartment but it was so hard to look for a place in san francisco before i find a place the company went bankrupt oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i (laughs) great timing huh (laughs) yeah you know and also because the job i was doing um that required me to travel a lot so i wasn't able to just like spend two weeks in san francisco look for apartment i was never really here Mm -hmm. and i learned the hard way that if you go to craigslist you say hey i'm interested in your apartment nobody replies right they don't mm. give a <laughs> can I swear on the yeah, okay. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because I think they do this open house thing with like 20 people lined up with applications and I wasn't able to do that so um, it, I just never found apartment um, and then there's other reasons like um, for a Chinese uh, citizen um, if you want to go to any other country, you need a tourist visa. And uh, if I live in Seattle, we don't have consulate. So um, the nearest place is San Francisco. So I come to San Francisco a lot of times is because I need to apply for a tourist visa. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also I dance Argentine tango. And um, um, this is uh, San Francisco is one of the city, like the best place to dance Argentine tango. There's a lot of great dancers here. And there are a lot of more leaders um, in any other city in the U.S. I, I hope this is almost right. Um, there are way more followers than leaders, and San Francisco is the only place have more leaders. Wow! So where where do you do Argentine tango here? Like um, some of your favorite spots. I haven't been back here uh, for a while, but I know we went. I went to um, Berkeley. They have this all nighter thing. You dance all night until six a.m. Um, we do. San Francisco Tango Marathon um, in November. Oh, Every wow. November there's a Tango Marathon. It's like dance until you drop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's actually might be close to the mission. It might not be far, um, but my area is a little bit like um, like my memory is a little bit uh, rough right now. So. That's okay, because he just came back into town last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think I know someone who does the, goes to the Berkeley Tango. Oh. Um, she's like a substitute teacher at our school, but she's 
probably in her seventies, but she has more energy than like anybody else that I work with. We're always like, what's your secret? And she's like, I go dancing three nights a week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you're actually, we're here at Mutiny Radio. We're here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And so you're going to be performing tonight as part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival at the Mm -hmm. all ladies show tonight at 10 PM. So excited. But then you're going to be like a guest DJ here on Monday at noon doing some Argentine tango, right? Yes. Um, so I have um, three lovely ladies who also love dancing Argentine tango. They're here in San Francisco, so they're going to be my special guests. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about what is really Argentine tango, debunk some very um, popular uh, misconceptions about Argentine tango. We're going to share some of our personal stories about uh, some of our struggles and, and funny and embarrassing moments. Um, and then, you know, for example, there's something specific about San Francisco. In the tango community, we call it Men Francisco. Man Francisco? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of related to like why there are so many leaders. Um, you know, of course, we now that women can lead, the choir tango is very popular. So it's all, all gender, all inclusive. But there's just a lot of more men in general in this area. And then we also call it babe area. So instead of bay area. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like all the, all the, um, Dancers here, like, we're all babes, you know, because there's so many guys lined up want to dance with. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Everyone's dance card is full, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So let's take a little musical break. Mm -hmm. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, your experiences in this past year doing comedy, being a female comedian, and then some of your work with the the syndrome, Mm -hmm. which sounds really cool. So everyone, you're listening to women's magazine here on mutinyradio.fm. This is a special part of the fourth annual mutiny radio comedy festival that's happening March 1st. That's today through March 5th. So there's 50 comics, 26 shows, five days. Shows are 10 bucks a piece. Go on our, our website, mutinyradio.fm. You can find the the uh, festival page and see all the different amazing uh, topics of the different shows, different themes um, that you can get in on and have a good time with. So I'm going to play a little music from this uh, a local artist. Her name's Renee Asteria. And this is called illegal Better pick up 
All right. You are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. We are streaming live around the planet from the Mission District of San Francisco, right here in the corner of 21st and Florida. We are kicking off the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival running today, March 1st through March 5th, um, with Bernice Ye, who is in town visiting from the Seattle, Washington area, um, and is going to be part of tonight's uh, big showcase at 10 p.m., the All Ladies comedy uh, uh, lineup um, and also a couple different shows uh, throughout the festival, which we can talk about, you know, we'll run through them towards the end and make sure people know when they could come in and, and catch you live. Uh, in the act. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to talk to you. This is Women's Magazine. So we want to talk about what it's like being a female comedian. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, It's uh, definitely very, very intimidating um, because I remember when I first showed up to my very first open mic um, before um, the venue opened, people line up and people show up and it's like everybody. I mean, in Seattle, we're already very white, so everyone is a white dude. <laughs> and then, so I feel like this is even worse than my, you know, computer science um, graduate school. You know, ten years ago, you know, it, I was maybe one of the girls of the forty students, but at least I know computer science. But you know, for comedy, I am new. Nobody knows me, um, and then you know, like, but everybody else know each other. So I feel definitely this being judged immediately and then nobody came to really say hi and introduce myself and then when I reach out to say hi it's just this very awkward interaction you just feel like okay I should go now <laughs> well I, I'm thinking that they, they they may just be naturally awkward a little bit and they're probably like who's that pretty lady you know like I don't know how to talk to her is she gonna be funnier than me oh my god my ego um, so but you did it you jumped up and, and did comedy Comedy stand up for the first time, and um, you actually sent me. I think you sent me the video of that, and you were funny. Like people <laughs> responded, you were like successful in your first go. Oh, thank you, thank you. It definitely takes a lot of work. The, the video you saw is that's um, you know um, November, so that's probably nine months into the time. I've definitely had a time when when I had to open mic, I was just like, oh, I just want to find a place to hide. Um, so it, it takes a lot of work. And I also have to say, in my very first few open mic, I remember one time I go to this place called um, Comedy Underground. I showed up. I have no idea how that mic works, and there's a bunch of do's line up but one lady um her name is uh, chelsea toll if she ever listened to this that's when we first met and she's like oh i just moved here ladies got to watch out for each other and she said take this she gave me two dollars because the at the club if you drop in two dollars a donation you have a higher chance to get on the list oh wow so okay. like it, it, that's so helpful to have somebody to give a newbie a tip to like and it's like somebody should tell no we, we got each other and i feel like that really meant a lot to me um, and the same day, the open mic, I went up. Actually, I guess I was actually funny that day, even though that's my like first open mic. And then another lady, uh, her name is Aisha, and she reached out to me and said, hey, you're funny. You should come out to this open mic I am producing. Uh, it's called Comedy Nest. Um, it is a female-focused uh, uh, comedy open mic. You should come. So, you know, like I feel like there's people really helped me and embraced and gave me that courage to uh, keep going, even though I was very intimidated that's excellent and that's up in seattle right yeah yeah how cool so you're also working uh now now you've kind of even 
like taking this further um, with this group that you're working with called the syndrome. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the syndrome. How did you connect with them and what are some of the different things that that this group does? Sure. I mean, guess how they found me. Ah, they found you. At the open mic. Ah, <laughs> they were scouting. <laughs> so um, I, actually, our uh, one of our editor, um, um, Betsy Hunt, and she uh, went to, she also took a comedy class from one of the comedy um, club that's doing open mic. So I was there at open mic. They, sh- they were in the audience. I did not know. Um, I come back down and she just snicked a, a card and said, hey, I work at this magazine. Talk to me. She disappeared. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I emailed her back and follow up. And then they were like, oh, we really like your stuff. Um, what if you know get on a call we see if you want to be a writer on our central magazine and uh, that's how we get connected to each other and then when they told me the story of the central magazine I was like wow this is amazing because the, the magazine wasn't started in the US they actually started in Italy Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then like, when they started, the, the vision is just like, you know, we want to talk about women, talk about gender equality, t- talk about women's rights um, f- through humor. Yeah, because that's probably the best way to get people to 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 reckon, you know, reconcile and understand a different perspective. And then the magazine took off in Europe. Like actually, um, they, they encountered the success that more than they anticipated. Wow. And yeah. when, when was that? Uh, um, like, how long have they been around? Do you know? They have been, I have to look because like, I feel I cannot. Um, That's okay. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm asking bad questions right now. <laughs> no, no, <but>. no worries. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I know it has been around a few years. And our founder in the Seattle chapter, uh, Sylvia, and she um, was born and raised in Italy. She moved to Seattle area and she wants to bring that to to Seattle so that's how we um, started the US chapter yeah awesome yeah so if you guys are out there listening the syndrome mag.com or you can find them on Facebook too and Instagram I'm sure so all, all over the place this multimedia social media world um, but that's really cool because I feel like when you have the the topic of whether you want to call it feminism or just to like you know, address, um, gender inequality. Um, it can be a really hard subject for people to talk about because they can, they can be very serious. Mm -hmm. It can be very emotional. It can kind of turn people off. You know, they're like, Oh, you know, whatever people you know, women complaining again, you know, but like to do it in a humoristic, like a, like in a funny way, like kind of like cuts through some of that, like, Oh, we don't have to be so serious to really address some real things that are going on. Yeah, because you don't want to turn a topic into tabooed, right? Like, I think how many times we we have to take that sexual harassment training video at work, you are obligated to watch it, but then, like, in the end, you're just like, okay, I'd better not talk about this now. But on the contrary, um, I'm going to quote uh, Sarah Silverman, because she, men- uh, she said, if it's mentionable, it is manageable. Mm. I think I found that just so inspiring. It's like, yeah, if you want to manage, you got to talk about it. Like, you, ending issues, the worst is just hold it like inside and you don't talk about it and I think the humor opens that like that channel opens the conversation uh, instead of just shutting down oh, let's just be serious let's just hide to walk away from the topic yeah so the so the syndrome mag which is an online magazine right mm-hmm. um, but also it's also a group that's it's it's a nonprofit, and you're b- basically part of a, a group of consultants right like mm-hmm. like 
like people who, who are affiliated with the syndrome will actually go into workplaces and do like comedic skits to like point the stuff out. This Have you is, been yeah. a part of that? Yeah, a little bit. Like, so um, this is a new initiative we started. Um, so we want to work with, because there are so many tech companies in Seattle. I'm sure there's way more in San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> um, so the, the idea is instead of just like watching those videos and so we actually collaborate with the company to see you know to learn a little bit about their culture what people's you know minds is and then we write comedy sketch scenario sketch and then we hire um, professional actor actress to act it out and so in the audience you're like watching so, oh yeah that happens and but you are able to see how this whole thing played out um i persist I participated in some of the comedy sketch writing scenario because some of them were just like, you know, I was like, I lived through that, right? Like yeah. I'm one of the women in tech. Um, so, you know, even for example, going to a conference, you just got hundreds of men, you got like three women there. Like eating lunch, you got the guys sitting on that side and then you feel like, even for the woman, it's awkward. The three people, you just feel like we're obligated to say hi to each other. And you go to the bathroom, like, there's just two of you. <laughs> and I say a line of men, you know. So there are some scenarios that everybody, they understand. But they, like, I think in the more zoomed in story, you see the internal state. And you see how awkward for that person is. And, um, you know, we also, for example, at, in a meeting, right? Like, you know, how women being cut off or then all of a sudden we have the woman to wear a different mask of like with a mustache and then like same voice to say it just you hear it very very differently um <laughs> that i love that i think that's such a great way to to point stuff out because mm -hmm. like you said those dry like you must watch the sexual harassment video and of course they make things in those like really obvious yeah. right <laughs> uh, usually but the subtle things are what it's like i think it's coming out more and more about the subtleties and and the things that people aren't even like you know paying attention to or aware of they think you know they, they don't even think about it right mm -hmm. um it, it's funny when you talk about the the men's room and the ladies room so my my uh, my little funny story about that is many years ago now i was working for a catering company so i was mm -hmm. i was bartending at an event here in san francisco and it was apples um like annual uh, employee appreciation party, right? So it's this big, like kind of outdoor park mm -hmm. down downtown. And um, <laughs> I mean, it was like thousands of men, <laughs> thousands and thousands of men. And all of the drinks were free, mm. right? It was just like, it was employee appreciation. So we were literally standing there. We had this huge bar with eight bartenders and these guys would stand like, like 10 feet away and like look at us and, oh. and so awkwardly. And we're like, come on, like, come on, it's okay. Yeah. Like, come get a beer, you know? And, and it was, it was kind of a lame party anyway, because like they wouldn't, they wouldn't like let us put a tip jar out. Like they didn't want them to like think that they had to, like any more pressure. I'm like, okay, I get why they didn't want to pressure them anymore. Cause it was very socially awkward I saw three women that night out of like probably like 3000 men. Mm -hmm. And one of them was definitely somebody's girlfriend, you know? <laughs> so I actually made a friend that night. There was a, another person who was bartending that night and we left at the same time. And, uh, we went to the, to the bathrooms 
and we saw this big line of men. Yes. And so we heckled them in line. We're like, now you know what it's like. (laughs) You get the treatment now. And then we got to the women's room and there was a security guard there saying, I'm sorry, you can't go in. And we're like, What? what do you mean? And they're like, well, we had to let some men into the to the women's room we're like oh no 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 we're going in yeah like that doesn't happen the other way around that's right they don't open the men's room for the ladies who are waiting there so it was i know what you're talking about (laughs) you go girl (laughs) yes it's one time no you're not taking that away from us right (laughs) that's right i don't care if there's men in there we're going to the bathroom the ladies room you know and of course that was before they even like the whole like you know all gender bathroom conversation was, was even in play but uh it was just yeah i know what you mean though it's it's kind of funny yeah so seeing that played <laughs> out right and remind them like let's look at this moment all together and then they can talk about it afterwards i think actually you know it's a different approach yeah so, <laughs> so you're writing sketches for them sometimes you're participating in the sketches uh, but you're writing for the the magazine part mm-hmm. so um you want to talk a little bit about some of the topics that you've written about? Sure. Yeah. So I think in um, I started. What is my first about chopsticks? <laughs> oh, I guess maybe uh, I think it's just me being. A, I feel like outsider. Sometimes I'm not necessarily kind of have the sense of belonging. Just just my experience are different. Um, so I kind of want to bring in explain stereotype and challenge how you look at the stereotypes right so i think there are things like i don't fit into the stereotype and there are things like people expect out of me um, i don't do that but there's also i think the stereotypes are there for a reason i want people to look at something that's not so foreign because hey i came to this country i don't know anything of course i'm going to look very clueless but if you go to china you would be right <laughs> so i kind of want you kind of break that you know share a different perspective Um, The first bit I talk about is how I don't really know how to hold my chopsticks. (laughs) As a Chinese, you're kind of expected to know. Um, And uh, the thing is, um, I kind of, I hold my chopsticks, I can use it, but I hold it like a pencil. Like, I don't know how to do the chopstick wrapper instruction thing. Like most of the, (laughs) (laughs) most of the Americans are masters of it, but I'm, but then it's not just me. Most of the, the natural, like a native born Chinese people hold the same way. So there's like, you know, times like I go to a restaurant with like 10 other Chinese people and with my white boyfriend, he's the only one, he's teaching everybody how to use chopsticks. (laughs) It's hilarious, you know, but then like, I. I would just got me think why why is that right and then I realized we have to learn how to use traps when we were so young our hands are so little I can't figure it out there's no way I can use it the, the, the official way and so we all were forced to figure out one way or another mm-hmm. um, and then um, you know but then like our parents are different they they just use their hands when they're little. So they learn as adult as well. Cause like China was so poor, you're just fighting, you're just grabbing food. <laughs> so those are the things that, you know, it, I think that's my kind of my first piece, um, not to give it everything. Right. Um, and then the second one is actually personal, uh, it matters a lot to me, is about like uh, uh, Asian eyes, small Asian eyes. And then I think um, if you were born and raised in Asia, like you know, this Asians are obsessed with this double 
double eyelid. You're nodding. Yeah, no, I know. I had to learn when I started teaching English. They're like, do you have one single eyelid or double eyelid? And I had to be like, what? Like <laughs> just even the term, you know, but I know what you mean. It's like having the like crease on your eye. Right. right? The- yeah. Yeah. So we're very obsessed with that. And then so um, plastic surgery to do that is very, very popular. And then to a point, it's really like um, your parents were like, oh, you, if you want to find a job, you need that. You need that. So girls were almost expected, like when you're done with high school, that's when you get it. Uh- <laughs> well, there's a lot of that in Southern California too. Like, like given like, oh, congratulations, you graduated from high school. You get your, you get your boob job, you get your nose job. And you're like, you're eight, this is an 18 year old girl. Like, yeah. Why are you like totally transforming your body in some way that's like permanent? Yeah. Know? Yeah. And also like growing up, my entire family always like, oh, you're so smart, but your eyes are so small. <laughs> so, you know, they were nice. just <laughs> shaming like yeah. the small eye from the very early on. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I was just like always freaked out about that. I was also kind of very self-conscious about my eyes. So I figured, oh, what if I wear glasses? Because my mom was oh your eyes will might look a little better with glasses so i came up with this idea so oh you know i need to wear glasses i'm going to pretend or i am a good student but i'm a good student and i'm of course i'm nearsighted right so (laughs) i told my (laughs) the the classic nerd kind of look right right so i told my moms i can't see i cannot read the 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 chalkboard like you you have to take me to see a doctor and then so at the at the prescription they do this like computerized the prescription test and my eyes were fine Oh. And I said, no, no, no. So like when they do the menu test, I just pretend I can't see anything. I just <laughs> add on, add on. I got wow. the thickest prescription oh ever. God. I got like a 400, right? Like is the neck to 400 or 4.0? Yeah, 4.0. Yeah, 4.0. So like as a little kid, I have perfect vision. I was wearing this like glasses every day. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of that, that keenly applied deception, right? To, yeah. to make things work. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so, what what does your family think of this? Like, do they know how much? Like, do they know about your comedy, your budding comedy career? Like, what do you tell them about your life now? <laughs> it's hard because there's no stand-up comedy in China. Um, it's a because you know think about the topic and things we really talk about. Mm. Like, you don't you you don't talk about stand-up comedy. Um, I think there's comedy sketches and in, in China. So usually you have two characters. They talk about the kind of funny scenarios but never is about issues racy edgy opinions that I think it's not about to evoke mm-hmm. thoughts it's never about that um, but my mom um, I think she she's proud like my parents are proud of me for doing this um, they don't really know exactly cause I want to share a video with my parents I can't even share that because um, if sending Google uh, video like Google Photo, YouTube is all blocked in China. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. cannot see it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's very difficult. Like you know, for stand-up comedy, they don't understand English, so I kind of send um, little clips through WeChat. That's very popular for ch- their own messenger. Interesting. So they can get a sense of what looks like if there's a crowd sharing nothing. They're oh, okay, they like her. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, but I'm they cannot you... understand. R- yeah, right, right. Well, that sometimes that's okay, right? It's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So you're really, you're really breaking down a lot of barriers. Um, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're here oh, and that we you. get to be, you know, here on the show today on women's magazine. Um, 
do you have any uh, advice for women out there, girls, whatever, uh, who want to do stand-up comedy? Um, I, I will say, like, I think um, now, like... Believe, believe in yourself. Um, like, cause a lot of times people told me like, um, oh yeah, no, you gotta pay your dues, and you have at least you gotta suck for the first five ten years, and don't even ask to be this opportunity. But I think you know, just be bold, and, and um, you never know. Don't let what pre-exists to stop you. What you think you can do, um, because if I were to do that, I would not even apply for Mutiny Radio Festival. But who is to say so? I cannot be on it. I have to first make the move and then let them decide. So um, that's definitely something I will say. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bernice Ye, you're totally inspiring and <laughs> such like great energy and you're really funny. And I know that people are going to come out to Mutiny Radio um, for your show tonight at 10, which mm-hmm. is like the... That is that's that's like Pam. That's the uh, all ladies. That's the all ladies show. That's kind of like the 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 headliner for the night, right? Woo! Why not? <laughs> Pam, why don't you come in here for a second? This is Pam Benjamin. She's our station director, and she's been working her ass off um, to put together the uh, festival, the f- comedy festival, for four years now. Yeah. Pam, thanks for hey, thanks for hooking us up here. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Thank I was you. I wasn't even looking really for like for the years past. I really was trying to focus on having uh, multiple genders and and multiple people represented uh, from all genders and specifically women and then all and trying to be specifically multicultural. But I was telling Bernice this year, I just pick the funniest people and it just happens to be incredibly diverse and multicultural and that we have almost as equal amount of men and women both involved in the festival and I wasn't even trying I was just like you just pick the funny people yeah and the word so, got out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm stoked that um, people are willing to travel from all over the U.S. to come be here at Mutiny Radio, and that's really exciting to me. So, yay! Awesome. Well, such I'm, an honor. <laughs> yeah. oh, please. This is so cool, um, and it's really fun to be a part of. So, uh, Bernice, welcome back to San Francisco. Thanks, Pam Benjamin, for for setting this up so that we could have this. Uh, really great conversation and uh, give everyone a little bit uh, a little insight into into Bernice's uh, sense of humor sensibility and her her really inspirational stories so um, I'm going to leave you with this one thing Uh, it's a little bit of a teaser so so Bernice gave me this this uh, refrigerator magnet Mm -hmm. and it's a it's 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 a pink bunny and it says sick pets make strong children (laughs) so you'll have to come and listen uh, come hang out at mutiny radio and listen to the live show um tonight uh, the all ladies show we're here at 2781 21st street here in san francisco 94110 if you need to know that as zip code um but we're at the corner 21st in florida in the mission district come out there's going to be shows um throughout the week there's going to be five full days of um showcases various hilarious themes um each show is 10 bucks uh you can pre-buy your tickets online on the website mutinyradio.fm uh, there's a there's a specific link you can click and see all the different shows that are happening um bernice you're going to be tonight at 10 and then mm-hmm. what are your other um shows um i have two shows on sunday so um 8 p.m um dysfunctional family and 9 p.m. Um, um, fur babies are better than real babies. 
<laughs> Monday I have two podcasts. So one is on like every day about races, and uh, um, at noon we're going to talk about Argentine tango. Um, Tuesday at five p.m. I have uh, one show. I will be in the show uh, comedy show um, dating a comic. Oh, fun. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much, Val. Yeah, we're wrapping up here, Women's Magazine. Um, just remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like, I'm going to leave uh, communist China and go to the U.S. and become a really funny lady saying funny, important things. Hey, inspiration is contagious. So, peace and thank you. And we'll play another song here from Pamela Parker, because she does, in fact, rock. This song's called Pedal to the Metal. And I think it's going to play. <laughs> on there. Um, I've also worked with bass player, Alternative Press. Um, right now, I'm putting on events called the Chinatown Get Down, where we dance to funk, Motown, and disco, all that great throwback music, and raise money for um, organizations like the Sweet, um, Sweet Relief Musicians Fund, uh, and uh, raise money to uh, help musicians and their mental health. Fantastic. And if you don't dance to funk, there really is something going on uh, that can get anybody moving. You know, I just on a quick little quip. I had a friend, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago who was kind of feeling 